Angkor Wat, located in northwest Cambodia, is the largest religious structure in the form of a temple complex in the world by land area. That's more than three times the size of the Vatican City. It measures 162 hectares. At the center of the temple stands a complex of four towers surrounding a central spire that rises to a height of 65 meters, that's 213 feet, above the ground. The temple has three rectangular galleries, each raised above the next. It lies within an outer wall that's 3.6 kilometers long and a moat, more than 5 kilometers or 3 miles long. The temple was built at the behest of Surya Verman II in the early 12th century, in present-day Angkor, a town then called Yudhosapura, the capital of the Khmer Empire at the time. It was used as a state temple for the entire empire. Originally constructed, dedicated to the Hindu god Vishnu in the early 12th century, it was converted to a Buddhist temple towards the end of the same 12th century. Angkor Wat combines two basic plans of Khmer temple architecture, the temple mountain and the later gallery temple. It is designed to represent Mount Miru, home of the Devas in Hindu and Buddhist cosmology. Unlike other Angkorian temples, Angkor Wat is orientated westwards. Scholars are divided as to the significance of this. The temple is admired for the grandeur and harmony of its architecture, extensive bas reliefs and statues of Buddhas and Devas that adorn its walls. As the best preserved temple at the site, it is the only one to have remained a significant religious center since its foundation. The temple is at the top of the high classical style of Khmer architecture. It is one of the most important pilgrimage sites for Buddhists in Cambodia and indeed around the world. It has become a symbol of Cambodia itself, appearing on its national flag and it is a country's main tourist attraction. The growth of the temple complex at Angkor is linked to the rise and fall of the Khmer Empire. The start of the era of the Khmer Empire is traditionally dated to the year 802 AD, when King Jarya Varman II declared himself the universal ruler, a title similar to emperor. The empire lasted over 600 years and ended with the siege of Angkor by the Siamese Ayutta kingdom in 1431 AD. This was a Thai kingdom. At its peak, the Khmer Empire was larger than the Byzantine or Eastern Roman Empire, which existed at around the same time. Perhaps its most notable legacy is the site of Angkor in the present-day Cambodia, the Khmer capital during the empire's peak. These majestic monuments of Angkor, such as even Angkor Wat and Bayon, bear testimony to the Khmer Empire's immense power and wealth, impressive art and culture, architectural technique, aesthetics, achievements that go beyond a standard, in inverted commas, empire. The variety of belief systems that was patronized over time is also very, very interesting. 
satellite imaging has revealed that Angkor during its peak in the 11th to 13th centuries was the largest pre-industrial urban center in the world. Repeat, in the world. Interestingly enough, was a Hindu empire that then became a Buddhist empire. And we should think about this a little bit because Hinduism and Buddhism were ultimately philosophies from the same ecosystem. So I'm never sure if suddenly something changed. But anyway, the empire grew out of the former civilizations of Funan and Chenla. Funan was a name given by Chinese travelers, geographers, and writers to an ancient Indianized state, or rather a loose network of states. Funan is known in the modern language of the region as Vyun, i.e. Old Khmer. However, the name Funan is not found in any texts of local origin from the period, and it is not known what name the people of Funan gave themselves to their own polity. Some scholars argued that ancient Chinese scholars transcribed the word Funan from a word related to the Khmer word Banam or Fanam. It is believed Funan lasted from about 68 AD to around 200, sorry, 627 AD. The main philosophical religious beliefs being Hinduism, Buddhism, and animism. Funan was superseded and absorbed in the 6th century by the Khmer polity of the Chenla kingdom. The first inscription in the Khmer language is dated shortly after the fall of Funan. A concentration of later Khmer inscriptions in southern Cambodia suggests that even earlier presence of a Khmer population existed. Chenla is the Chinese designation for the successor polity of Funan. This preceded the Khmer Empire. The number of historical inscriptions declined sharply during the 8th century. However, some theorists who have examined the Chinese transcripts claim that Chenla started falling around the 700s as a result of both internal divisions and external attacks by another dynasty from Java, who eventually took over and joined under the Angkor Kingdom of Jayavarman II. Individually, historians reject a classical decline scenario, arguing that there was no Chenla to begin with. Rather, a geographic region had been subject to prolonged periods of contested rule with turbulent successions and an obvious incapability to establish a lasting center of gravity. Historiography ends this era of nameless upheaval only in the year 802, when Jayavarman II established the appropriately named, now, Khmer Empire. Jayavarman II Jayavarman II reigned from 802 to 850 and was essentially a Khmer prince who became the king of Cambodia, which is the name for ancient Cambodia, after unifying other Khmer civilizations under one umbrella. Jayavarman II founded many cities such as Mahindraputra, Indrapura, Amandrapura, and Hariala. Before Jayavarman II came to power, there was lots of infighting among local warlords who ruled different parts of modern Cambodia. Interestingly, no inscriptions by Jayavarman II have been found. Future kings of the Khmer Empire described him as a warrior and the most powerful king from that time frame, and one that they could recall. 
The records suggest that Jervoman and his followers moved over the course of some years from the southeast of Cambodia to the northwest, subduing various principalities along the way. Historian Claude Jacques writes that he first seized the city of Widyapura in the southeast and then pushed up the Mekong River to take Sambapura. He later installed himself as another at another city-state now known as Batani, pre Nokor, near present-day Kamampong Cham. Jacques believes that from there he pressed on to Watpu, seat of the city-state in present-day southern Laos, then moved along the Decret Mountains to arrive in the Angkor region. Later, he brought pressure on local Khmer leaders located to the west, but they fought back and drove him to seek refuge on the summit of present-day Phnom Klun, about 50 kilometers east of Angkor, where the Brahman declared the independent state. Jacques suggests that this step might have been intended to affirm Jayavarman's authority in the face of strong resistance. Once established in the Angkor region, he appears to have reigned not only in Haryala, located just north of the Klon Sap Lake, but also at a place that inscriptions called Amendrapura. It has not been positively identified, though some historians believe it to be a now lost settlement at the western end of the West Beret, the eight-kilometer-long holy reservoir that was built about two centuries after his death. No single temple is positively associated with Jayavarman but some historians suggest that he may have built Yakhum, a brick-stepped pyramid now largely ruined at the southern edge of the West Beret. The temple was a forerunner to the mountain temple architectural form of later Khmer monarchs. The first pieces of information on Jayavarman II came from K235 stone inscription on a steel in Sadok Kop Thom Temple in Isan dating to around 1053 AD. It recounts two and a half centuries of service that members of the temple's founding family provided for the Khmer courts, mainly as chief chaplains of the Shivite Hindu belief system. The successors of Jayavarman II continually extended the territory of Kambuja. Indravarman I, who reigned from 877 to 889, managed to expand the kingdom without wars and initiated extensive building projects which were enabled by the wealth gained through trade and agriculture. Foremost were the temple of Pratko and irrigation works as well. Indravarman I developed Haryala, further by constructing Bakong around 881 AD. Bakong in particular bears striking similarities to the Borobor temples of Java, which strongly suggest that it served as a prototype for Bakong. There must have been exchanges of travelers between Java and modern Cambodia if not missions between the Khmer kingdoms and the dynasties of Java, transmitting to Cambodia not only ideas, but also technical and architectural details. Indravarman I was followed by his son, Yasovavarman, who reigned between 889 AD and 915, who established a new capital, Yasodapura, first city of Angkor. The city's central temple was built on Phnom Pakeng, a hill which rises around 60 meters above the plain, on which Anchor sits. Under Yasorovarman I, the East Bray was also created. That was a massive reservoir, uh, about 7.1 by 1.7 kilometers. At the beginning of the 10th century, the kingdom split. Jayavarman IV established a new capital at Koh Ker, 
some hundred kilometers northeast of Angkor, called Lingapura. Only with Rajat Rajendra Verman II, who reigned between 944 and 968, was the royal palace returned to Yashodapura. He took up again the extensive building schemes of the earlier kings and established a series of temples in the Angkor area, not least being the East Mebon, a temple located on the artificial island in the center of the East Beret, and several Buddhist temples, such as Prerup and other monasteries. In 950 AD, the first war took place between Kambuja and the kingdom of Champa to the east. The son of Rajendra Varman II, Jaya Varman V, reigned from 968 to 1001 AD. After he had established himself as the new king over the other princes, his rule was largely peaceful, marked by prosperity and a cultural flowering. He established a new capital slightly west of his father's and named it Jayanagari. Its state temple, Taakio, was to the south. At the court of Jayavarman V lived philosophers, scholars, and artists. New temples were also established. The most important of these are Batani Siri, considered one of the most beautiful and artistic of Angkor and Taakio, the first temple of Angkor built completely of sandstone. A decade of conflict followed the death of Jayavarman V. Three kings reigned simultaneously as, as agnostics until Suryavarman I, who reigned between 1006 and 1050. Suryavarman was the monarch who established diplomatic relations with the Chola dynasty in South India. Suryavarman I sent a chariot as a present to Chola Emperor Raja Raja Chola I. His rule was marked by repeated attempts by his opponents to overthrow him and by military conquest. Suryavarman I was successful in taking control of the command capital city of Angkor Wat. At the same time, Angkor Wat came into conflict with the Trambalinga kingdom of the Malay Peninsula. In other words, there was a three-way conflict on mainland Southeast Asia. After surviving several invasions from his enemies, Suryavarman requested aid from Emperor Rajendra Chola I. After learning of Suryavarman's alliance with Rajendra Chola, the Malays requested aid from the Sri Vijaya king Sangarama. This eventually led to the Chola Empire coming into conflict with Sri Vijaya. This war ended with a victory for the Chola dynasty and of the Khmer Empire, and major losses for the Sri Vijaya Empire and the Malays. This alliance also had a religious nuance, since both Chola and Khmer were Hindu, Shivite, while the Malays and Sri Vijaya were Mahania Buddhists. There is some indication that before or after these incidences, Suryavarman I sent a gift, a chariot, to Rajendra Chola I to probably facilitate trade or an alliance. Suryavarman was succeeded by his son, Uday Aditya Varman II, who built Papun and West Bray in 1074. Conflict arose between Harshavarman III and the Champa king Harivarman IV. Suryavarman II started what became known as the Golden Age of Khmer Empire. Under Suryavarman II, who reigned between 1113 and 1150, the kingdom united internally and the large temple of Angkor was built in a period of 37 years. Angkor Wat, dedicated to the god Vishnu. In the east, his campaigns against Champa and Divet were unsuccessful, though he sacked Vijaya in 1145 and deposed Jaya Indravarman III. The Khmers occupied Vijaya until 1149 when they were driven out by Jayaharivarman I. 
Surya Marman II sent a mission to the Chola dynasty of South India and presented a precious stone to the Chola emperor, Kutulungat Chola I, in 1114. Another period followed in which kings reigned briefly and were violently overthrown by their successors. In 1177, the capital was raided and looted in a naval battle. King Jayavarman VII reigned from 1181 to 1219 and was generally considered Cambodia's greatest king. He had already been a military leader as a prince under the previous kings. After the Cham had conquered Angkor, he gathered an army and regained the capital. He ascended the throne and continued the war against the neighboring eastern kingdom for another 22 years until the Khmer defeated Champa in 1203 and conquered large parts of his territory. According to Chinese sources, Jayavarman VII added Pigu, now in modern Myanmar, to the territory of the Khmer Empire in the year 1195. Jayavarman VII stands as the last of the great kings of Angkor, not only because of his successful war against the Cham, but also because he was not a tyrannical ruler in the manner of his immediate predecessors. He unified the empire and carried out noteworthy building projects. The new capital, now called Angkor Thom, literally the great city, was built. In the center, the king, himself a follower of Mahayana Buddhism, had constructed the state temple, the Bayon. the VII also built great temples for his father as well as his mother. He also built an extensive reservoir at Sra Srang. An extensive network of roads was laid down connecting every town of the empire with rest houses built for travelers and a total of 102 hospitals established across his realm. After the death of Jayavarman VII, his son, Indravarman II, who reigned between 1219 and 1243, ascended the throne. Like his father, he was a Buddhist, and he completed a series of temples begun under his father's rule. As a warrior, he was less successful. In the year 1220, under mounting pressure from an increasingly powerful Di Viet and its Cham alliance, the command withdrew from many of the provinces previously conquered from Champa. In the West, his Thai subjects rebelled, establishing the first Thai kingdom and pushing back the Khmer. In the following 200 years, the Thais would become the chief rivals of the Cambodians. Indravarman II was succeeded by Jayavarman VIII, who reigned from 1243 to 1295. In contrast to his predecessors, Jayavarman VIII was, followed, was a follower of Hindu Shivaism and an aggressive opponent of Buddhism who destroyed many Buddha statues in the empire and converted many Buddhist temples back to Hindu temples. From the outside, the empire was threatened in 1283 by the Mongols under Kublai Khan's general Sogetu, sometimes also known as Sudu, who was the governor of a province in China at the time. The king avoided war with his powerful opponent, who ruled all of China pretty much by paying annual tribute starting in 1285. Jayavarman VIII's rule ended in 1295 when he was deposed by his son-in-law, Sri Darvanman, who reigned between 1295 and 1309. The new king was a follower of Theravada Buddhism, a school of Buddhism that had arrived in Southeast Asia from Sri Lanka and subsequently spread through most of that region. In August 1296, a Chinese diplomat arrived at Angkor and recorded, in the recent war with the Siamese, the country was utterly devastated along with descriptions of several great temples. His account informs us that the towers of Bayon were once covered in gold. The text also offers valuable information on the everyday life and habits of the inhabitants of Angkor. By the 14th century, the Khmer Empire suffered a long, arduous and steady decline. 
Historians have proposed different causes for the decline. The religious conversion from Vishnuite Shivite Hinduism to Theravada Buddhism that affected social and political systems and created internal power struggles among Khmer princes, vassals, and foreign invasions, plagues, and ecological breakdowns. For social and religious reasons, many aspects contributed to the decline of the Khmer Empire. The relationship between the rulers and the elites was also unstable. Among the 27 Angkorian rulers, 11 lacked a legitimate claim to power, and civil wars were regular. The Khmer Empire focused more on the domestic economy and did not take advantage of the international maritime network that it could have. It could also be argued that the input of Buddhist ideas conflicted and kind of disturbed the state order built under the predominant Hinduism prior to that. However, I don't buy this so much. Hinduism was not a thing in its own right, but an Indic philosophy like Buddhist philosophy, so they could coexist. Of course, the belief of rulers means a lot, and it does mean a lot to the groups who get royal patronage. So if the ruler is a Hindu, there will probably be more patronage to Hindu deities and vice versa for Buddhism. The last Sanskrit inscription is dated 1327 and describes a succession by one king over another. Historians suspect a connection with the king's adoption of Theravada Buddhism. They were therefore no longer considered Dev Rajas, and there was no need to erect a huge temple to them, or rather to the gods under whose protection they stood. The retreat from the concept of Dev Raja may also have led to a loss of royal authority and thereby to a lack of workers. The water management apparatus apparently also degenerated, meaning that harvests were reduced by floods or drought. While previously three rice harvests per year were possible, a substantial contribution to the prosperity and power of Cambodia, the declining harvests further weakened the empire. Looking at the archaeological record, however, archaeologists noticed that not only were the structures ceasing to be built, but the Khmer's historical inscription was also lacking from the period around 1300 to 1600. With this lack of historical content, there, was, there is unfortunately very limited archaeological evidence to work with. Archaeologists have been able to determine that the sites were abandoned and then reoccupied later by different peoples. Scientists working on the Greater Angkor Project believe that the Khmer's had an elaborate system of reservoirs and canals used for trade, transportation, and navigation. The canals were used for harvesting rice. As the population grew, there was more strain on the water system. During the 14th and 15th centuries, there was also severe climatic changes impacting the water management system. Then, periods of drought led to decreases in agricultural productivity and violent floods due to monsoons damaged the infrastructure during this time. To adapt to the growing population, trees were cut down from the Kulin Hills and cleared out for more rice fields. That created a rain runoff carrying sediment to the canal network. Any damage to the water system would have been enormous. By the 14th century, the Black Death had affected Asia, as the plague first appeared in China around the year 1330 and reached Europe around 1345. Most seaports along the line of travel from China to Europe felt the impact of the disease, which might have had a severe impact on life throughout Southeast Asia, contributing to the fall of the empire. The fall of Angkor, also known as the Sack of Angkor or Siege of Angkor, was a seven-month siege by the kingdom of Aryutta or on the Khmer capital of Angkor. After the Khmer refused to recognize Thai authority, the Thai besieged Angkor and sacked its capital city. The Khmer king, Ponyayat, 
fled the city to Pasan and then later to Krong Chamtuk. The Khmer Empire had already been in decline. The conquest of Angkor delivered that final blow and the Khmer Empire finally fell. Thank you again for taking the time out to listen to the Alternative History Podcast. Thank you so very much. 